pray that uh, because of the worship that we've already had, that there has been healing take place, uh, some for physical healing, others spiritual healing, others emotional healing. God, I, I pray that, that because we've come that we would be able to experience a presence of yours that we've never experienced before. That would not happen otherwise. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. For those of you online, you're here. You may be seated. I know I've said this in the past, but uh, every week I can't wait for what you are going to experience. And, uh, and aren't you glad I feel that way versus, oh, this is a, this is a bummer service. Uh, I can't remember any time I felt that here. But I knew what you were going to experience in worship today, and I knew what you were going to experience in terms of looking at God's Word. And I'm so excited that you're here and you've tuned in uh, to listen to God, for have him, to have him speak to you today. There are two passages that I want you to mark in your Bibles. We'll uh, be referring to this throughout the message today. First of I, is Isaiah 42, and I'll give you a minute to find that. Isaiah 42 in your Old Testament, verse 16. It is our prayer verse for the week. And for those of you that want to put in prayer requests, it's easy to do so. Uh, if you're on our, uh, on our website, it's easy to find that. Uh, or you can send it to office at newcupchurch.org. And this, the verses that we'll look at in just a moment in the Isaiah passage, we'll be praying. But throughout this message, we're going to keep coming back to it because the power of God's Word, of saying who God is and reminding you who God is and what He wants to do in your life and what He's capable of doing. The other is Matthew 4. I'll give you a moment to find that as well. And we'll uh, be in Matthew 4. Isaiah 42, 16, God says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. And this applies to any situation you're in. That what God says I will do, he says I will lead and nothing better than the king of the universe, the creator of, of everything. He says I will lead you and when you feel blind, when you think I have no idea what to do next, I don't know what next step to take, I'm not sure how to respond. He says I will lead the blind and notice this, by ways they have not known. We always try to figure things out ourselves, those of us that are control enthusiasts and this is a passage that says... Uh, being a control addict is not necessarily a very healthy way to live. He says, I will, uh, I will lead you along unfamiliar paths. I will guide you. He will lead. He will guide. I will turn darkness into light. Man, what an incredible passage to say that whatever you feel that you're in the dark, that God provides this light and it's through him and through him alone. I will turn darkness into light before them. I will make rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. So whatever you come in today feeling you need guidance, Isaiah 42, 16 is your passage. And whatever you're facing to know that God will lead you, he will guide you, he will turn darkness into light, he will not forsake you. Let's pray together. 
Father, I pray that all of us that have gathered uh, online and gathered in, in this building, that we would follow you and you alone. God, thank you that you promise that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that you will bring light when we feel like we are surrounded by darkness and that you will not forsake us. May we embrace that today. Father, as the miracle worker, the one uh, who was and is and is to, to come, the great I am, God, may we experience that power today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you once again that we have identified some of some daily habits that have the highest return in terms of helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And what we're doing is studying the, the acts of Jesus because, as we stated before, as a church, we're committed to following Jesus, doing the things Jesus did in order to become the way Jesus was. And so we are so excited about a challenging brand-new followers of Christ, but not just brand-new followers of Christ, those of us that have been seasoned followers of Jesus for a long time, that we would embrace the things that Jesus did so we can become the way Jesus was. Sign New Cove up for that. We are totally committed to that. And we, as I said, we have found daily habits that have, have the highest return for growth. And if we're going to reach the next generation, which is that is what God has called us to do, to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ by pointing them to him, we need to have a plan in, in place. And we have a pathway that involves, one, we want people to experience God. So there are some next steps in experiencing God because we want not just brand new followers of Christ to experience God. Those of us that have been following Jesus for years and years to re-engage in our walk with God. And so we've talked about the couple of next steps in experiencing God. Worship, and we responded that worship is our response to God. To the great, the one who created all things that we would respond to him. Any of you see... Uh, the sun and the moon last night at the same simultaneously? Did anybody take pictures? Shame on you. It was incredible. You could not help but see the moon and the sun as they both were in, in opposite ends of the, of the universe. And it's brilliant light. And the harvest moon last night was incredible. And my first thought was not get my phone. My first thought was, God, you are so awesome. And so God, the creator of the universe, he wants us to worship him at all times. And so we talked about what worship is. And then we made this, uh, I introduced you to Francis Chan's comment, isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? And we go to Colossians 3 that says that he's able to do uh, way beyond whatever we could think or imagine. And even then, we have a God that we can't even exaggerate in terms of that. He's so much greater. We talked last week about prayer, that prayer is not an action, it's an interaction. It's talking, it's listening to God, and it's coming to the place where we trust God as the way maker, that we don't just say, Lord, make it better, but make it count. Wouldn't it be amazing that, and, and I've thought about this through this past year, wouldn't it be incredible if that was, if we came out of a year of, of turmoil and we were different in a good way, that we made it count, that we didn't just persevere through and just finally gut our way through a turbulent time, but we come out on the other end, not only did God make a way for us, but he created something within us. So today I want to talk about 
Bible engagement. And so if we're, going to, if we're committed to doing what Jesus did in order to become what Jesus was, let's study what Jesus happened to do in his Bible reading. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. Understatement. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. The tempter comes to Jesus and says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This tells us that the devil had been watching Jesus go without food. Here's a statement that we need to hang on to. The evil one knows you, watches you, and directs his temptations accordingly. Our battle is not against one another. It's against the powers of darkness. And Satan is aware of you. He does not want you to enter into God's word. He does not want you to put your eyes on the way maker. He wants you to try to figure out another way to make life work apart from God. So what does Satan do? He questions God's provision. And isn't that what happens when turmoil hits us? Going, where is God in this? I don't understand. And the, the problem is not the questioning. It's what we do with the question if it drives us to pursue God more or if it causes us to try to make life work apart from God. And here's what I want you to know. Satan is always about relief by means of shortcuts. The end justifies the means. Jesus was hungry, and he needed to eat. And so for Satan to come to him and say, hey, it's time to eat, that's the truth. It is the truth. But he was wanting Jesus to make a shortcut to try to meet a need in a way that was not glorifying to God. And notice what, if we're going to do what Jesus did in order to be like Jesus was, notice what, Satan, what he says to Satan when he's tempted to make, sh to cut, uh, to make shortcuts. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say. People do not live by bread alone, by every but, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus quoted scripture. I like what Tony Evans said. He said, if Jesus, the living word, needed to use the written word to deal with the enemy of the word, how much more do you and I? If Jesus, the living word, needed God's holy word in order to deal with the enemy of the word, how much more do you and I need? Because Satan is out to try to, to get us to take shortcuts. In Ephesians 6, toward, it talks about putting on the armor of God. And one particular part in verse 17 says, Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of of God. Think about this. So the battle comes, you're all dressed, you're ready, and your commander says, ready, aim, read. Ready, aim, read. Not exactly William Wallace-like, is it? I'm not sure how this fits, fits with, with, uh, with William Wallace but what, from Bravehearts, but it does say the power of God's word is that that's how we deal with with the attacks of the enemy, that we face the battles of so many kinds. And so what do we do? Well, back to Isaiah 42. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. When you are feeling blind and you need help, 
you go to the God, the creator of the universe. He will guide you along unfamiliar paths. You're not alone. He will guide you. He will turn the darkness into light. He will make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake you. The power of God's word. So Jesus, when he says, here's what the Bible says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the, out of the word of God, um, comes from the mouth of God. He is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And Moses is talking to the people, the Israelites, and he's reminding them of how God provided for them. That, they, that God provided manna. You remember there was that little white cake thing. Manna in Hebrew means what is it? And so they were very creative in what they called it. Hey, what is it? That's what it is. That's what is it. So they called it manna, which means what is it? Look at how God's providing. What is it? And what, what Jesus, what Moses was saying to the Israelites, quit focusing on the provision and focus on the provider. Man does not live by what is it on a daily basis. God provides. But what we live on is the word of God, what comes out of the mouth of God. They didn't merely survive uh, because of the manna, but because of the one who provided it. So when Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8, he's letting the evil one know, I'm not going to cut, make shortcuts and go straight to the provision. I'm going to the provider. And Satan does not want us to go to the provider. They wanted the provisions of God without the relationship. And that is such a tendency for us in our prayer life, in our pursuit of God, is that we run into a problem and we just want him to fix the problem. Lord, make it better. And again, nothing wrong with asking God to make it better. Nothing at all. Give us this day our daily bread. But the, but the issue is to take it further. God, make it count. I want to know what you want to do in me and through me in the process of what you're doing to meet the needs. Jesus was willing to trust God when he was starving and Jesus had the capability of doing stuff on his own. Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. And the scriptures say he will order his angels. This is what Satan is saying. He's quoting scripture. He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. He's quoting Psalm 91, but taking it totally out of context which is what he did with Adam and Eve. He has a little bit of truth and then mixes in uh, false thinking. Again, he is asking Jesus to gain a following by taking shortcuts. Think about this. If Jesus jumped off this, this, this high area, jumped off and comes down, he would gather an immediate following and people would want to see this for him and want him to do all the tricks for them. But Jesus knew that God's call for him was to go to the cross and it was through suffering. So what does Jesus do? Jesus responds, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. In other words, we're not to treat God like a personal genie. We're to worship him because he is worthy of our worship and trust him that he's got this, that he will lead us, that he will guide us, that he will take care of us. Look at verse 8. Now the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said, I will give all this to you if you will kneel down and worship me. What Satan wants is your focus. Your focus off of the provider and to look horizontally to everything else that you would make and take shortcuts. Jesus with as long as we just replace him with something. And so when Satan comes to attack you, most likely it'll be shortcuts. It will not be, I think I've shared this before and it's still true. I've never been tempted to go hold up slim chickens and demand free food. I, that makes me a pretty holy person, right? Well, no. I'd probably lose my job here if I robbed someplace. <laughs> I've grown accustomed to eating food that I pay for. But what Satan comes to, he comes to me and he, and he, he has me focus on that. I can't control. To me. Take a break for a moment, will you? See if this works better. Thank you. <laughs> I needed to know where I was, and I was in the midst of going to, to rob Slim Chickens. Which sets me up perfectly for verse 10 get out of here. It's what he, what he said to Satan, not, not to my friend Brett. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quotes again from Deuteronomy that God's desire for us is to know him and to serve him and not to serve anyone else. All hell is breaking loose trying to get your eyes off of the provider and on to secondary issues. Important, but not primary issues. And this is why we, we, we go to God's word. Notice how the devil responded, and the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Again, the provider. Well, look at the power of God's word. If Jesus used it, so shouldn't we. Psalm 119, 9 and 10. How can someone stay pure? By obeying your word, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a guide to my path and a light for my path. Think about this. It helps us make decisions that we need to make. We make 35,000 decisions a day. They need to be influenced by the, by, the, by the power of God's word. By the way, 227 of those decisions are on food alone every day. Just saying. 
slim chickens. <laughs> so your word is a lamp to my feet. It's to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired or literally God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us what to do right. God used it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Look at the power of God's word in here. Teach us to help us to see what's right, what's wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us the right way to go. God used it to prepare and equip us to do the work that he's called us to do. Wherever he places us, every person we come in contact with, we have the opportunity to influence for God's glory. How about this, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God, it's alive. For God's word, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting, listen to this, what it does. Cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow, it exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. The power of God's word to be able to, to cut and check what our motives are like. Again, Isaiah 42, 16. Look at the power of God's word. If, you, if you're reading God's word, you come across verses like this that you can hang on to all week long. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. When you're in the unknown, he says, I will lead you. Even in the unfamiliar, I am with you. I will guide you. I will turn darkness into light. I will make rough places smooth. These are the things I will do, and you will not ever be alone. What a powerful passage to read because God's word is living, it's active. And even though written thousands of years ago, this particular verse, it's written for today, that God is with us. By the way, God has never brought to mind a passage I've never read. And so the issue comes, will we read God's word? Will we take the daily habit that has the highest return for growth of staying in God's word? Will we rearrange our schedules? Will we arrange our lives around God's word to study? So you may be asking, if only I knew what to read. Well, I am glad you asked. Our worship team can come up to the platform, but I, I want to to look at some next step opportunities for us. First of all, as we make op opportunities, every week there's a feet wet opportunity and it's our daily Bible reading and it, I, I go through it every week. It only takes about 10 minutes, but it, it, speaks, it speaks to me and it's doable and it doesn't take a long time. And so if you're just wondering what to do, we've got a passage there this, this particular week. It's called Introduction to Reading the Bible. And there's a five-day plan, and you can find that uh, on our website. Uh, also, if you go to newcupchurch.org and look for Experience God, there is another option. I don't know if we've got the... Yes. So you go to uh, new, newcupchurch.org and go to Next Steps and Experience God, and then when you scroll down... We've got three options for you. We have a Bible reading plan, which is available to you. We are about to start reading through the New Testament in a couple of weeks, and there's a place for you to sign up on it and do it as an entire church, but do it in small group settings. And Brett Wellstead will be leading that study. And it's through the, the entire New Testament in how many weeks, Brett? 13 weeks. 
So a three-month reading plan. Say, I, I, want, I want a little more, and so I want to go through the New Testament and allow God's Word to change me. And so here's an immediate opportunity. If you are wanting even some further uh, some reading, uh, there is called the Bible Project Plan. And the Bible Project Plan takes you in and does all kinds of background study, historical studies, and then it brings it into application today. But it takes some, some time and some energy. But it is done well. It is not a boring study at all. And you have all kinds of options of, of the Bible, Bible Project. We can lay all this out, but we can't read for you. No one can read for me. I'm the one who has to figure out what my schedule is going to look like and to make sure that I arrange my life around uh, activities that have the greatest return for growth and worship, Bible, uh, prayer, and engaging in God's Word on a daily basis will make such a dramatic change in your life. I know Sarah will talk about this in just a moment, but even on Monday nights throughout this series, uh, we have Next Step Extras, and it's a Zoom on Monday night from 7 to 7.45. We'll cut it off at 7.45, uh, and it's just an opportunity to go deeper and ask questions about today's message. And we've got a couple of folks, uh, Carissa Brown and Nadia Gove, that will talk about their particular uh, uh, walk with God through Scripture. It's just a chance for you to listen in and ask questions to help you take your Bible reading to a new plan. Get it? Good. Let's pray together. Father, may we be people like Jesus. Father, may we arrange our lives around the things that Jesus did in order to become like Jesus was. God, I pray for everyone who has, has made time to, to, to be in worship today. God, I pray this week that we will be aware that Satan wants to divert our attention. He does not want us to spend time in your word. God, may we be aware that shortcuts usually are not healthy ways to go. Father, may we look to you. May we ask your, your Holy Spirit to teach us, to convict us. Father, I pray this week as we read your word, however much or however little we read, Father, I pray that it would be living, it would be active, that it would, that it would convict us, that we would rearrange our lives around what your word has to say. May we be people of the book. May we align our lives around your word, and, and may we do be not just hearers of your word, may we do what it says. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a time uh, for us to give our offerings. For those of you online, uh, we have a few things to announce after this. Uh, but time for you to give your offerings. Those of you that are in-house, in uh, we have a box outside. Uh, your giving matters. It just makes ministry so much easier when uh, there's money to be able to uh, invest in those around us. So thank you for your, uh, for your ministries of giving.